All right, we are live. Welcome to episode 74. I'm here with Tony Ronane, the managing director of Little Caesars Pizza Canada. But aside from that, she has so many other projects on the go and so many other experiences that we're going to talk about tonight and specifically talking about her background in retail and also food industries. And we're going to be talking a little bit more about how you can really strengthen your brand. And she's dealt with many brands, including Aritzia, Starbucks, Avita Canada, Tivana, uh, Freshy, so many other roles that she's had senior leadership experience in. And I really hope that today's conversation um, helps you uh, with your brand and how you can grow your brand into uh, a massive empire like uh, Tony has been able to for, for so many other brands. Um, so Tony, thank you for being here. Thanks for joining me on the show. Glad to have you. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here, Lyndon. And for those watching, uh, Tony is new actually to the Windsor Essex community. She moved here about a year ago. Yeah, January 15th, 2021. So we're officially one year and some odd days in and never looking back. Like we're lifers at this point. <laughs> Good to hear. And since you're so new to the community, I have to ask where in Windsor Essex has been your favorite place for coffee so far? Ooh, that it's that's a really tough one. Um so I would say in Amherstburg, I'm a I'm a big fan of Caffeine and Company, um, not just for the coffee, but obviously for all of the the baked goods and the sandwiches and the soups and and all of that. And then I would say in Windsor, um, Anchor Coffee House is incredible. Um, I also happen to be gluten free, so they have a lot of different things that are are gluten free and delicious. And I happen to kind of stumble upon that place when I was just um, in town for something else. So I continue to explore, but I'm a big coffee fan. And um, I've been so impressed with how many incredible independent businesses that we have in the Windsor Essex area. And, um, you know, we definitely are not lacking for good coffee. That's for sure. Yes, Richard even agrees with you. Anchor Coffee is awesome. Good to hear. All right. So uh, Tony, you're, you're, you're fairly new into uh, an awesome position. And I assume you like pizza because you're there. Um, but you're at Little Caesars Pizza Canada as managing director, and I believe you started last June? Yeah, yeah, it was June of 2021, so just shortly after we had moved to the area. That's awesome. And what, what would you say, is this role a bit different than some of your past roles with, with uh, Freshy, Tivana, Ritzia? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's entirely different. It's, um, you know, definitely a leadership role. Um, you know, it's the right kind of balance of of strategy with execution. Um, my background has been primarily operations based. So, you know, my career really started working in, in retail um, at the store level in an hourly position, and then eventually, you know, grew my career into district and regional uh, leadership and then upwards into to VIP, uh, to VP roles. Um, what I loved about this opportunity is uh, a couple of things. So yes, I, I love pizza. Um, I once considered myself a pizzatarian, so pizza is near and dear to my heart. Uh, and I grew up in Chicago, so I, I knew the Little Caesars brand, you know, grew up uh, with the company and just really fell in love with the, the company and the values. And, you know, in terms of the role itself, um, it's, it's a little bit of a wider spread. So I'm not just overseeing operations or franchise development, but I really have the opportunity to support and lead kind of each facet of the, the franchise business for Canada. Um, and so, you know, it allows me to play in the sandbox with marketing and with franchising, 
um, as well as, you know, working directly with franchisees. Um, and I really fell in love with the franchise business when I worked with Freshy because I had the opportunity to obviously sit in a corporate role and and influence what was happening in terms of, of the decisions that were impacting the store, but then also having this incredible opportunity to work with entrepreneurs who you know, invest their life savings into building these, these restaurants and, and growing a business. And so um, I felt like the role was really tapping into a lot of my strengths um, that I was able to acquire you know, over the last several years. And, um, and so it was really in my wheelhouse about the things that I'm passionate about doing. Um, but also, you know, enough of an appropriate challenge that, that now I'm going to oversee kind of the entire business and brand for the country. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's been, I would say an appropriate challenge. And for any new job, uh, there's this transition period. What does that transition period look like for you at Little Caesars Pizza Canada? Like, I guess, what, what have you really thrown yourself into? What do you if you can share some things that you're working on or looking forward to. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so, you know, the first really 90 days was focused on onboarding um, and we have an, a fantastic onboarding strategy. So, you know, essentially every leader and executive leader within the organization works in the restaurants. And, you know, for the first several weeks, I was making dough, uh, making sauce, making pizzas, dressing pizzas, uh, learning really all of the four wall operations of the business. Um, and it was completely eye opening for me because one of the things I hadn't realized until I started working at Little Caesars was just how high quality of a product that we really truly have. Um, you know, we are one of the only QSR pizza chains in Canada that makes their dough fresh every single day. Um, and so, you know, imagine that it's never frozen, you know, you're blending it, you've got these massive machines and, and the work to like really knead through the dough and make it, um, there's such a sense of pride about the ingredients. And I think that having that experience really instills the right level of knowledge and pride, uh, for the leadership within the company. So, you know, I spent the first several weeks in stores. I was actually in the U S, um, in two different markets doing that training and then after that, once I transitioned into my official role, um, we had a 90 day strategy that I put together to really learn what was happening in our business. Um, and, you know, in, in our business in Canada, we have franchisees that have been operating with us for 40 years. Um, and so they have a ton of knowledge, an incredible amount of experience. And I wanted to get out on the road and spend as much time with those folks as I possibly could to really understand what was required at the leadership level for our business. So myself and then various members of our leadership team um, did a cross Canada tour. We went from West Coast to East Coast over the course of two weeks. Uh, we didn't get much sleep. There was lots of planes and traveling, um, but really just went and, and executed listening sessions across the country. Um, and, and trying to find out what were the things that we really needed to start doing and stop doing and continue doing as a leadership team. So I felt like I got a masterclass in, in the business, in the operations, but then also in, in gathering all of the feedback and insights from, from that group, um, which then helped lay the framework for you know, the 2022 strategy that we set that we're now executing. Um, and so it's been an incredible ride. Uh, I've only been there a short amount of time. You know, I, I think I'm now eight months, like moving into my ninth month in role. 
Um, but I would say for anybody that's starting a new job, like really taking that approach to to have an open door and learn from others and ask questions and be curious is really critical to not just your success, but your ability to impact success in the business. Um, and so I would definitely encourage that. And then, you know, I would say it's probably going to take me another couple of months to really continue to learn uh, the business and the Little Caesars business and and really to understand where I can add the best value uh, moving forward in a sustainable way. Well, first, it sounds like a lot of work, but also a lot of fun. Um, sounds like similar to Undercover Boss. I hope you didn't have to wear a wig or anything like that. Um, Unfortunately, no. I mean, I would have been more than happy to wear a wig and be Undercover <laughs> Boss, but no, it was um, it was all on the up and up. They knew they knew why I was there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think it, it speaks to not being afraid to get your hands dirty, and especially if if it is a corporate job or or you're working in the office and and experiencing what the day to day operations are like. Um, that's mm. an awesome story that you shared. Um, and you mentioned it'll take about a year until you're, you're fully transitioned. You have a, a full grasp of, of the company and you've worked with several companies. What would you say the average is for somebody who's entering uh, the corporate world or a new brand? Like how long does it really take until you, you your feet are full, fully in and, um, you know, you've able to, you've been able to grasp, grasp everything. Yeah. It's a great question. I mean, I think that what I would say to that is it depends on the person and it depends on the company. Um, you know, I would say earlier on in my my career, um, you know, I've never been afraid of of taking action or, or leading change. Um, but, you know, I think what I've learned over the last couple of years or transitions is that it's really worth taking the time to get as much information as possible up front. Uh, and I think in order to have a good strategy, you've got to have the right people at the table. So, you know, you could say it could take an average of six months for somebody to get up to speed. It could take an average of a year. Um, there are studies that would say that, you know, when you're in your second year of performance, that's usually like the peak of, of, uh, of your time and role because you've already mastered all of the basics and you're able to start adding your own signature to the work that you're doing. Um, but I really think that it's dependent on the complexity uh, of the person and the complexity of the role. Um, so, you know, my, my advice would be really, you know, to take the time that you need in the beginning to learn as much as you can, because you're never going to get that time back. And, you know, in our business and, and certainly in the restaurant industry, um, at a time like going through, you know, a pandemic and, uh, you know, working with 350 plus stores across the country, um, you know, really taking the time to learn is important because uh, you're always going to find yourself in a place where you're building the plane and flying it at the same time. Um, you know, nothing is ever finished or complete. And, you know, you're going to look around and see who's who's on your team and they're going to support you. But um, it's it's critical that I think that you have an openness to, to learning and to adjusting as you go and um, a mentality that, you know, you're never really going to have everything figured out. So it, everyone's going to have to strike the right balance of when it's time to act uh, versus when it's time to adjust versus when it's time to really sit back and observe. And so I think, you know, uh, it's important that you take the time to observe up front and then figure figure that out as you go. Yeah, no, that's, that's a really good point. And yeah, like you said, it depends on the job. Depends on uh, you know how eager you are to to learn about the role that you've just entered, um, and I feel like we could talk 
forever about this and, and other topics because you have so many uh, leadership experiences in your uh, back pocket. But um, just backtracking a bit to your time at Freshie, where you were the vice president of global franchise development, uh, can we, because we're focused on uh, brand growth and, and strategy, uh, what types of strategies did you use uh, while you're the global franchise development officer uh, to really enter new franchise territory? And was things like this difficult accessing new types of markets? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, it's, gosh, it's really important work. Um, and I think that, you know, what I would say about that is that it, it requires such a massive cross-functional lift mm. in order to launch a brand in a new market. So I think the first thing and the most critical thing, and in franchise development, you know, the number one thing you are focused on is making sure that you're bringing in the right talent for the organization. So in a franchise business, your talent is obviously going to be your internal team. So the people that are working for you corporately, but then you're also focused on, you know, the talent that is going to be running the stores. And I have seen it in businesses and, and you know, um, had many conversations with people that work within this industry and, and have worked for different companies. And I can't stress enough how important that is. Um, and when you're looking to launch a brand in, in a different market internationally, um, the most important decision you're going to make is who are you going to partner with on that work? So, you know, you're going to look for somebody that has the right level of experience, that has the right level of capital, um, that has the right ideas, that understands the market. Um, and, and then kind of everything branches off from there. So once you've got the right group and you're working with the right franchisees, you know, then you're focused on, OK, what are all of the things that we need to look at to launch this business? And it's like starting from square one. So, you know, while you have a playbook of how something might work in Canada or in the US and North America, you know, when you are dealing with international businesses, um, there are cultural elements that, you know, are unaccounted for. So, you know, at Freshy, as, as we looked internationally, you know, we were looking at um, doing business in Peru and most of our restaurants in Canada are, are grab and go. They're, you know, quick service, fast, casual. Um, and this is all pre-pandemic, so even more so now. But in Peru, the culture is really to sit down with your family, to have a meal. You know, the, they're not really going to be as interested in um, having packaging that's ready to go. They want to sit down and have like, you know, actual dishes. And so, you know, as you think about the menu architecture or the store operations or how you're going to market your brand or what you're going to call your brand, sometimes it doesn't even translate correctly. Um, that really requires both your subject matter experts internally, as well as that feedback from that local franchisee that's going to um, help you to build that strategy. So, you know, from what real estate looks like to how labor is different in, you know, Latin American countries versus European countries, um, you know, building out that actual PL and that business model is so important. Um, and and it, it requires that that ground level knowledge as well as as the right team. Um, and so, you know, we always talked about the 80-20 rule. So 80% of what we do in North America is probably going to apply, um, you know, and so it's a matter of that 20% and being able to, to customize to that market um, through the products that you're serving or the messaging or what the store looks like, how it feels. Um, all of those aspects are really, really critical. And what we found was that when we applied that 80-20 rule, 
all of a sudden we had all of this incredible innovation and all of these ideas that were globally coming at us. And we said, wow, like that was a fantastic menu item or that was a great promotion or, um, you know, that marketing initiative really drove traffic to our restaurants in that part of the world. How can we take those learnings and then go ahead and apply them, you know, to the global organization? So um, it's, um, you know, I would say there's there's a ton of strategy, um, you know, but it, again, it comes back to really working with the right folks and making sure that you have the right talent. Um, you know, when you don't have the right people at the table, you know, you're probably not going to have the right information and, and it can be really challenging to, to build and grow a business when you're having to check and adjust all the time. Mm-hmm. No, I, I mean, makes sense. And I think you mentioned um, being able to customize your product as a franchise to the markets that you're looking to tap into. Is that always the case for franchises? Like McDonald's, I know there's McDonald's in China, Japan, like they've really tailored their items to those specific markets. As as a new company, should that be the case or should one, like, is it, is it uh, are they able to understand like this isn't a market for me and, and, and not to enter it? Or is it a bit different in the food industry? Well, I think that I, I think it depends. So, you know, I would say that the the best and most successful gold standard franchise businesses are going to allow a local market to influence the products that they're going to offer. Um, and I and I think that that's important. On, on the flip side, I think that when you're launching a new business, it's really important to understand what type of impact you're going to have. What type of problem are you trying to solve? You know, what is the thing that is going to attract consumers to your business and how are you going to, um, you know, create emotional connections with your customers? Um, you know, that's how you're going to ensure that people are going to return to you time and time again, is that you're you're solving a problem, you're connecting with people, you're establishing a need for something. So, yeah, I would say that the companies that do that really well internationally Um, you know, definitely are are customizing their product or their offering in order to be relevant. Um, And I think that, you know, you can you can look at many business studies where that wasn't the case. And, you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, it's as simple as evolve or die. Right. So, um, you know, how are you going to evolve your business and your brand in order to to attract new customers? And in many ways, when you go into international business or expanding your brand, Um, you're not the first player in town, you know, and so you've got to really pay attention to what your competition is doing and, and figure out, you know, strategically, okay, how does this playbook differ, you know, when we're going into Chile or how does this playbook differ, you know, when we recognize that, you know, while we might be the, you know, uh, the most popular pizza brand in this country, um, in this country, people aren't even really eating pizza. And so we actually need to not only just launch a pizza company, but we also need to educate them about why people should eat pizza in the first place. Um, And so you have to consider all of those things. And I think part of that is making sure that you're doing the right level of market research and and gathering Mm -hmm. that level of information in order to then build the right strategy. Mm -hmm. And and just touching on that point with, like you said, you're not always the only player in the market with, with little Caesars being a a massive, uh, pizza franchise, how, how as a brand is, is Little Caesars really differentiate themselves between Domino's and all those other companies? Because I think, I think 
you know, your experience with that would really help some other brands that are, that are trying to start out little mom and pop shops or, or small companies that are looking to grow big um, because there's other, you know, there's competition that they face as well. Yeah. So, I mean, I would, there's so many ways I think that we differentiate ourselves. Um, you know, our, our company is all about family fun and pizza. Um, mm. and we are like, we are a, a family run business. Um, and, and you can feel that, like I said, we have franchisees that have been operating in Canada with us for 40 years that launched the, we were the first international market for little Caesars. Um, and so Canada is incredibly near and dear to the Illich family, as well as to the little Caesars family. Um, you know, one of our biggest differentiators is our hot and ready concept. Um, and I'm sure you're familiar with it, but you know, this idea that you can literally walk into a pizza restaurant, you know, get a fresh pizza the way that you want it, you know, uh, within 30 seconds or less is, is pretty incredible. Um, and it, it's something that none of our competitors are, are able to do or have been able to figure out. Um, and then we now have a program which is called Reserve and Ready. And that is all about, you know, customizing your pizza the way that you would like it with your ingredients. And again, it's, you know, it's five minutes um, or less. You just order it on the app exactly the way that you want it. You go there. It's, you know, it's in our pizza portals. Um, you don't even have to have any sort of face-to-face -face interaction. If you're feeling a, a bit, you know, hesitant, given kind of the, the scope of the world with COVID. Um, and, you know, I think that, that those two types of programs are really a, a point of difference for us being able to connect with our consumers and really play up uh, the convenience play. You know, we are uh, definitely the, the most convenient pizza brand um, in, in the world. Um, in addition to that, I spoke about it earlier, but the, the quality of our ingredients, the fact that we make our dough every day. A lot of our competitors, they're serving frozen dough, they serve frozen cheese, um, and, and you might not realize that. So, um, you know, that is definitely a point of difference for us. And then we are also the value player. So, you know, uh, not only do we have this high quality product, but it's at a price that's really affordable for everybody. Um, you know, our founder, Mike Illich, he had a vision that um, everybody was entitled to pizza night. And that really drove the, the heart of the decision making in our business around price. Um, everybody had five dollars. And so, you know, with five dollars, you could feed a family, you know, and and today, I mean, we serve our classic pizza at six ninety nine across Canada. Um, and that is, you know, for a classic with inflation, home, right? With <laughs> inflation, right? Um, and, you know, have not compromised the, the quality of our product or the ingredients that we're serving. So um, it's something that is very, very important to us that we are accessible for families. Um, we're accessible for all that everybody can enjoy pizza night. And I think those, you know, those values and, and um, those commitments that we've made to, to our customers and to our franchisees you know, really are the architecture of our values, which I think is it, what sets us apart. So before we wrap up, because you're making me hungry already, um, I just have two quick questions for you. The first being, should a, a young business entrepreneur, if they're looking at starting a company, but they see that there's so many other companies similar to theirs in, in that same market, should they should they be turned off by that? Or do you think they should be looking at it differently? Oh, I love that question. I, I don't think they should be turned off by that. I mean, I would say that 
you know, where there is competition, there is a customer that is is purchasing and is interested in that type of product. Um, and so, you know, quite often when we would look at franchise development, you might look and say, who's already operating in the market? And seeing that somebody's already there is not a bad thing. It tells you that the customer is there and they're interested and they are willing. Um, you know, what I would say to that is what's going to be your point of difference? How are you going to ensure that uh, what you have is is bigger, is better, is brighter. Um, and I think that that comes back to this idea of, you know, what problem are you trying to solve? What type of impact are you looking to have? Um, you know, if, if you're looking to, you know, if our mission was just to sell as many pizzas as we possibly could, um, I don't know that we would have the same impact as we do given our intention of, of really, you know, um, helping families to have you know, pizza night every night and, and, you know, making sure that we have the highest quality ingredients and uh, at an affordable price. So I think that, you know, the intentions that you have for whatever it is that you're going to do um, is really critical. And then making sure that you're, you have a locked and loaded business strategy that is going to help you to have the impact that is required. Um, so, you know, I think that's, it, that's really important, I would say, especially if you're looking to go into a market where somebody already exists. And it's mm -hmm. probably not all that different if you're launching something brand new. Um, you know, it would probably be the same situation. So, yeah, that, that would be my response to that one. Yeah, no, that's awesome response and a really good way to look at it. Uh, before I let you go, because I know you're extremely busy, uh, could you share some, some final advice with young students, entrepreneurs that are looking to really grow their brand from scratch? They have nothing. Uh, what would be the first thing you tell them? Yeah. Um, so, so definitely, you know, what I would say is, uh, you know, don't wait to start something. I think that especially uh, for young entrepreneurs, there, you know, there can be this expectation on yourself that you need more experience or you need to learn more or you need to have all of your T's crossed and your I's dotted before you launch. Mm -hmm. And that is just not the case. Um, you know, I, I think that what we're going to see coming out of this pandemic is a continuation of this acceleration of, um, you know, the entrepreneurial spirit. Um, you know, we know that millionaires and billionaires are made during recessions and tough times. And um, that is something that we are going to see. And I think those that are going to act and start executing are the ones that are going to realize that early success. So I think time is critical. Um, and, you know, you're, you're not, you know, you don't have to have a full five, seven, 10 year business plan built out on day one. Um, but you do need to take the time, like I said, to, to do the right level of research and understand what are the problems you're trying to solve, um, who needs to be on your team, and, and doing kind of some baseline early strategic stuff in order to get off the ground. So I would say, um, you know, get prepared to, to uh, fly the plane while you're mm -hmm. building the plan. Um, but then also, you know, make sure that you've got the right team around you. And that you're not allowing your own ego to get in the way of your success. Um, you know, you don't need to be a subject matter expert on the product that you're trying to sell or what the business is that you're trying to create, but you do need a group of subject matter experts around you. So building diversity within your team, making sure that you have people that can challenge your ideas, you know, um, 
don't surround yourself with a bunch of yes people that are going to tell you you're doing a great job. You need people that are really going to challenge you and stretch you um, and help you to think differently outside of yourself because you already know your own perspective. You need to get some other perspectives. So definitely having the right team. Um, and then really having clarity around what your role is going to be in the business. There are so many people that have incredible ideas that are great entrepreneurs that really are not skilled in leading and, and, and leading people and running a business. Um, that's just not what they're, you know, what wakes them up at night and, and gets them fired up. It's, it's not their skill set. So really understanding where your strengths are and where your own opportunities are. And then defining what's your role going to be within this company. Um, I think it's just as important to know what your role is on day one as it is to know when it's time to transition into something else. So um, I think really having some personal reflection uh, and taking the time to um, to do some introspective thinking, you know, get some real feedback um, and and be open to learning throughout the process. And I think, you know, those 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 are things that I've really um, done every at every stage in my career and continue to do so. Um, I definitely uh, hate being the smartest person in the room. It doesn't happen very often. I really I don't enjoy that. Um, I make a point of ensuring that I'm not the smartest person in the room because I think when we're learning, then you know our strengths are going to um, be on the stage, and they're really going to help you to create something incredible and probably beyond what your initial idea was in the first place. So, if uh, you're the smartest in the room, you're in the wrong room. That's right. That's awesome. No, I think I mean that that advice was was amazing. I think even you know the business schools and and Windsor would really benefit from having you uh, speak and just talk about your, your experience. Um, so I, I'll definitely be connecting with you on that. Uh, but for those watching, thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, make sure to check out uh, Tony's website. It's, uh, I believe, TonyRonane.com. Uh, .com. Yep. .com. And I believe you're an author. I am. Yeah, I um, Yes, I am an author. I had an incredible opportunity to work on a co-authored book project. Um, with 19 other women. And, you know, this was, uh, it's not a business story, but really more about um, just, you know, my personal journey of motherhood. And, um, you know, I, we said it earlier, Lyndon, but I mean, you know, I think that the hardest thing I've ever done, you know, business is easy. Like I, I get business. I love business. Um, I built a career around that. Becoming a parent and and being a mother, it's definitely the hardest job and the hardest uh, thing I've ever done. So, um, but also the most rewarding. And um, so I had the opportunity to to be a part of this book called Life Love Lemonade, um, and it's uh, written by myself and nineteen other women. And um, you know, I, I loved the the process and being able to to write this book, you know, and, and I would say it's a great example of like, you know, I didn't you know, you don't wait to to write a book until you're, you know, a perfect author. I mean, nobody's ever a perfect author. So, yeah. uh, but it was more about being able to, to share some personal stories and, and have that personal learning experience for myself. So, um, yes, please do check it out. It is uh, available on the website. It's on Amazon. Um, you can get it where most books are sold. Cool. I, I will be buying it. And uh, Tony, you do have to sign my copy. That's the only. I will, uh... I'll get you a copy, Lyndon. You don't have to buy the book. <laughs> I'll, I'll definitely help you with that. Awesome. 
there you have it, everyone. Tony Rodane. I mean, we could talk forever about her amazing career and all she's doing to uh, inspire young entrepreneurs, women, and anyone looking to grow their business. Tony, thanks for coming on tonight. Thank you so much. It was a total pleasure.